Pastor Xavier Reese puts a premium on guarding your passions. The seventh commandment has warnings and precautions given by God. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left. Remove your foot from evil. That's a daily decision. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The marriage vow between a man and a woman is a holy covenant that should not be violated by sexual unfaithfulness under any circumstances. And though the seventh commandment, do not commit adultery, is designed to protect the institution of the family, all the while a spirit of unbridled lust tends to breed divorce pornography, child abuse, and many other socially destructive evils that result in the breaking of this commandment in our hearts. Here's Pastor Xavier with the continuation of a simple truth study titled The Sanctity of Marriage. Let's listen. The seventh commandment is very destructive sin, being intimate and personal. Adultery devastates the one whom adultery is committed against. Adultery breaks and defiles the marriage covenant, a divine institution by God. Adultery dishonors God first, treating marriage as a common and unholy thing. Adultery is heinous because it is committed deliberately and calculatingly. You don't just get out of bed and pull into the slow lane on the freeway and fall into adultery. It's very progressive, it's very plotted. You get checks and everything else before you jump in bed. You understand? Adultery is senseless in that it is not necessary having one's own wife or husband to delight in sexually. Adultery is theft, stealing what doesn't belong to you but to another man or another woman. Adultery is very selfish as a sin, thinking only of self and the temporal pleasure. Adultery committed by Christians destroys their witness. Adultery abases a person as a mere animal, Jeremiah 5.8 says. Adultery brings consequence to the one committing adultery also. Adultery can have physical consequences of STDs. Proverbs 5.11 says, And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? There's only one answer. No. You will be burned sooner or later. But you will be burned. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? No. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Both husband and wife must protect their marriage at all costs. Both husband and wife must have the same boundaries, the word of God, in order to honor God, to be blessed of God, and not suffer the loss. Both must be willing to grow, develop, and mature in their knowledge of Christ, willing to admit their wrong, to keep their accounts short, to cultivate that loving relationship. And never give room for anyone in between. You understand? 
James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if you're a husband and wife, you have to walk very humbly before God, both of you. The key to a healthy society are sound marriages. They are the nucleus of society, the extension of society, and the only hope for a strong society. In fact, the Apostle Paul expressed to the Corinthians the importance of marriage in society for moral stability, as well as pleasure and contentment that is not to be denied in marriage. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 through 4, it says that our bodies are not our own. My body belongs to my wife and hers belongs to me. Okay? Certainly, we are not there to force one another, but we submit in mutual love. But we can't use our bodies as some kind of tool to repay or to squeeze if we want something. You understand? They're not to deprive one another except for consent for a time, verse 5 through 6 says. So in other words, if you need to fast, pray, seek the Lord, you tell your mate, listen, I'm going to take a couple of days off, not a couple of years, okay? It's by consent, okay? And, um, and so this way you're praying for your mate and, and, and they can seek the Lord, okay? Then you come back lest you be tempted by Satan, you understand? There's protection. There's to be great celebration between a husband and wife and their sexual love. Listen to Proverbs 5, 18 through 19. Let your fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you all at all times and always be in rapture with her love. How are we doing, guys? Are you always eager to get home? We all have our days. But don't let those days be the norm. They better be the exception. <laughs> you understand? Or you get in trouble. Marriages since the fall at times have resulted in divorce. And so Paul the Apostle gives the principles of divorce to the Corinthians, which is very important, 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 15. And in verse 10 and 11, it says, A husband and wife are not to divorce their Christian mate. If you're a Christian, you're not to divorce. You're to repent, you're to forgive, you're to stay as one. Now, we'll get to the exception, okay? So don't, some of you don't start freaking out. I see some smoke coming out between your ears, okay? Hang on a second, okay? Uh, verse 12 through 14 Christians who have unbelieving mates are not to divorce them, but they're to be faithful for their children are sanctified by them. So if you are married to a non-believer, you're not to divorce them because you're Christian. You're to be a light. Maybe you came to Christ after you're married, or maybe you were a Christian and you married non-believers or disobedience. You're married. God honors marriage. You hang in there. Verse 15, it says, but if an unbeliever departs, so your non-believer says, I don't want to do anything with you. You're a Jesus freak. I'm out of here. Let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such case, but God has called you to peace. In other words, you can't force someone to stay married to you if they don't want to be. The context is the non-believer. Now, that can also happen with believers, and we've seen it, but we treat them like publicans, like pagans. And if they want to depart, you're free. But you're not free just to remarry. You're free to seek the Lord and to see how long you wait. You say, that's unfair. Listen, it's your marriage. And you got to seek the Lord for it. I'm not going to tell you how long the way. That's between you and God. You never know if God would save that mate and bring you back. We've seen people after 20, 25 years that get saved and they get remarried again. You don't know what God's going to do. You want the best or you want second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth best? Malachi reveals the low view and state of marriage among God's people at that time. And Malachi is a real sarcastic book because God is charging them. 
um, Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. Listen to verse 13 on down. 13 says, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offerings anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. So they're, they're crying before, oh, Lord, I love you, and yet they're, they're, they're divorcing their wives. He says, get out of here. Verse 14 says, yet you say, for what reasons? Very sarcastic. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion. She is your wife by covenant. Verse 15 says, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, small s, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Second time he says treacherously. And then in verse 16, he says, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts means the captain of the armies of heaven. He's fighting against you. You live selfishly. You commit adultery. You don't repent. God will get you. Honest. If not here, there. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Third time he says it. The ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, 3 through 9. Regarding marriage and divorce. Verse 3, the Pharisees came testing Jesus, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus looked, took him back to the beginning of Genesis and said, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And he, and he went on to say, But Moses gave you an orderly manner to put your wives away because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, you were not willing to repent or to forgive, so he gave an orderly manner so that a still society could remain orderly. It's because of the hardness of your heart. He nails them. And in verse 9, he says, And I say to you, listen carefully, whoever divorces his wife or husband, except for sexual immorality, the context is marriage, so it's adultery. So let me do this. Except for adultery and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Don't try to use that word fornication, sex before marriage. You'd be a Pharisee and a hypocrite. And you wouldn't be a Christian. Whatever has happened in the past, you've married the person, it's buried. The context is marriage, so the word is adultery. That's what it's talking about. The context is very, very clear. Now, the interpretation of the commandment is a confirmation of the violated institution of marriage. That's what it says. Let's finish with the condemnation of the commandment then. The seventh commandment is condemned by God. The adulterer thinks God does not exist nor sees his sin. Listen to uh, Jeremiah 29, 23. Because they have done disgraceful things in Israel, have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives, and have spoken lying words in my name, which I have not commanded them. Indeed, I know and am a witness, says the Lord Yahweh. He sees everything. The adulterer, along with other sexual permissive people, will not go to heaven. Listen to me carefully. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, you, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Notice all those sexual sins are tied in with idolatry. Because that person becomes an idol. You understand? Adulterers are contradiction of sound biblical doctrine. Listen to 1 Timothy 1.10. For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, as if the, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. That's what the law is for. It accuses us. It doesn't save us. It condemns us. Adulterers who are not repentant will be judged for their treacherous betrayal. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Adulterers are abhorred by God. Romans chapter 1, particularly verse 28, that whole section. God gives them over to unclean thoughts, vile passions, and reprobate or debased minds. And are deserving of death, Paul says, having refused to repent. There's the condition. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the Holy Spirit through Paul the Apostle. We make no apologies for them. The seventh commandment has warnings and precautions given by God. We need to understand them. First, guard your heart. Let me give you some verse. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left. Remove your foot from evil. That's a daily decision all the time. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 21, 2. Secondly, guard your eyes. Jesus said, if you're right, I causes you to sin. Pluck it out and cast it off from you. For it is more probable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Matthew 5, 29. That doesn't mean because if you cut your left hand or you pluck your right eye, you have the other one. He's talking about the severity of sin is so severe that it's better if you went like that. He's talking about the heart. So he's not talking about literally doing that, but he's talking about the severity of sin. That it would be better if such was the case. The lamp is the eye of the body. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light, Matthew 6, 22. And in 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Precautions, especially you guys, eyes. Guard your dress, particularly ladies. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 9, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And then he says, in like manner, meaning holiness also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with broidered hair and gold of pearls and costly things, but which is proper for women, professing godliness and good works. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have the latest hair fashion. It doesn't mean you can't have nice clothing or anything, but modest that doesn't mean you can't use jewelry. Just make sure you're not looking like a Christmas tree. That's all it's talking about, okay? That's all it's talking about. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. Do not let your adornment merely outward arranging of the hair, wearing of the gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. And the whole focus is what's your priority? Where do you spend the most time? 
He says, with the uncorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is a very precious sign before God. For in this manner, the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Fourthly, guard your company. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Even within the church, we have to guard because there's always fungus among us. They say they're Christians, but they don't live like Christians. I don't want to be around them. You understand? I'm telling you straight up as your pastor. <laughs> I've been around the block a couple of times, a couple of times on my back, a couple of times on my face. I've been around the block. Guard your leisure time. And how you spend it and where you go. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because what? The day is evil. Very, very evil today. Sixth and last, guard your temptations. Proverbs 7, 19 through 23. For my husband is not at home. He has gone out on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. He will come home at an appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her. Do, 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 do. As an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare of the trap. He did not know it would cost his life. Paul the Apostle tells the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. So I really am busted. If there's a temptation that comes to me, God is faithful. If there's a testing that comes from God, he is faithful. Either way, I have no excuse. Once again, secular statistics. This is straight from the Internet. 90% of Americans believe adultery is morally wrong. 90% believe it's wrong, but they still do it. 50% of Americans say President Clinton's adultery makes his moral standard about the same as the average married man, according to Time CNN poll. Yeah, old Mr. Clinton, he sure fixed this nation great. Brought it down about 10 notches. 61% of Americans thought adultery should not be a crime in the United States. 35% thought it should. 4% were indifferent. Affairs affect one in every 2.7 couples, according to the counselor. So when he gives you the names, so on and so forth. A lesser-known fact, he says, is that those who divorce rarely marry the person with whom they are having the affair. They're just having fun, ladies. That's all they're having. In 1923, Baker and Lucas published a Bible in England called the Wicked Bible because the little word not was omitted from the Seventh Commandment. The printers were heavily fined by the High Commission and the whole edition destroyed. One word, not. 
God says, you shall not commit adultery. Any man or woman who does not recognize the goodness of God in giving them their mate is a candidate for adultery. Men, you are responsible for the care of your wife. She will respond to you, how you treat her, how you speak to her. She's a flower that will open up or wilt. She's a reflection of you to the most extent. You're the initiator. She is God's gift to you to complete you, to help you, that you can be all in Christ. First uh, Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands likewise dwell with them according to understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together the grace of God, that your prayers be not hindered, that we would move as one. God, speak to us, direct us. The joy of every man and woman is marriage, and it will be directly in proportion to their relationship with Jesus Christ personally. It is a contradiction for any person to say, I love God, and they don't love their husband or wife. First John 3.10 is very clear about that. Because your love for God will be a reflection towards your mate. Neither of you can use the past to begrudge a person. You're a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If a person chooses to forgive adultery due to repentant adulterous mate, you have all the right. And I think that's the best. But let me be clear about this. Once you forgive them and you take them back, you can't change your mind the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year or the next decade. It's like it never happened. It is the only reason you have a biblical right, no guilt, no condemnation. If they repent and you choose not to take them back, there's nothing wrong with that. You have that option. But if you say, I I forgive you, you can't take it back. You understand? You have to be like your Lord and die to self Forgive when there's repentance. I think it's the best. And certainly Colossians 3.13 tells us, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. I am a debtor to forgiveness. But we look for repentance. That's the key. And if you say yes, you can't take it back. Song of Solomon 4.9 says, You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. Is that the case with you guys, with your bride? If not, you better roll up your sleeve, get in the garden, start working it. Marriage is the primary scriptural requirement for service in the church. You realize that? Not education, not talents. First Timothy 3, 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, one wife at a time. That's what it means. <laughs> Let deacons and husbands be one wife, ruling their children well and their house as well. First Timothy 3, 12. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, so on and so forth, Titus 1.6. Those are the requirements for service, for the pulpit and the pew. Marriage, not education. You have education, great. Now get over it. That's not your requirement to be born again or to serve in the church. It's your family. It's your marriage. And the church has dummied down the requirements of the New Testament as much as the world has dummied down America. C's are now A's. Right? (laughs) The condemnation of the commandment is the castigation of a person violating the institution of marriage. Pretty heavy commandment, isn't it? And so here you have it. The seventh commandment should not commit adultery through the threefold perspective here that we've seen. The proclamation of the commandment is the affirmation that God instituted marriage. The interpretation of the commandment is the confirmation of the violated institution of marriage. 
in the condemnation of the commandment is the castigation of the person violating the institution of marriage. You can't read it any other way. Not if you use the Bible. May God give us mercy when we lean to His grace that we not fall into such a sin. Pastor Xavier Reese has been weighing all the destructive ramifications of the sin of adultery while continuing our Simple Truth series of the Ten Commandments. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled The Sanctity of Marriage are available for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. And the title to ask for, once again, is The Sanctity of Marriage. Or you can mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com